This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Nordin Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guests this week, James, Kevin and Jordan, picking over the bones of Saturday's season. Curtain raiser at Leeds, a one-all draw. Fair result, James? Um, yeah, it probably was. Um, I mean, when you look at it, you could say that you know maybe we should have had a, at least one penalty, um, which in my case I think it's the handball rather than anything else. But, um, you know, I don't think either side really had a huge number of um, chances, um, and obviously the, the goal was you know, fantastic effort. Um, you can't really do anything to stop those, and and then we've got one back pretty quickly. And after that, there wasn't really much to pay attention to. Well, we'll come back to those uh, key penalty decisions, both on Lucas Yukovich in a little while. Um, Jordan, if we can bring you in, what were your overall impressions of the first game of the season? Um, yeah, I think a point was a fair result, really. Um, I think we um, started off quite slow. I think Leeds started um, the opposite, really. I, think, I thought they came out of the blocks um, you know, pretty quickly. And um, I don't think that first half, there was a lot to choose between the two sides. And perhaps difficult to tell for the neutral who was the side that had just been in the Premier League and who just finished uh, 15th in the Championship. Um, you know, credit to Leeds. I, I did think they, uh, they played well, but... I think we eventually grew into the game, had some good um, pockets of play, um, created a couple of clear-cut chances in the first half, and um, the penalties for me, uh, I think the first one is six of one and half a dozen of the other. I think Duke is backing into, I think it's Charlie Taylor, and then Taylor sort of tries to rise above Duke and then the ball away and ends up bringing him down, so I think that's a difficult one, but the handball for me was was a penalty, but... um, yeah, I thought we showed um, really good character to sort of come from behind um, so soon after they scored. Um, I think their goal could have been cut out. Um, I think it was Cartley who was sort of got you know sucked in quite narrow and was quite lax in his tracking back of Antonucci. But um, to be fair, it was quite late in the game and, and Cartley done a lot of running. But um, Sam's Vaux, Sam Vaux's goal was terrific. It was good to see him back scoring again competitively. And um, yeah, I thought we were yeah worth a point in the end. I think I think it was a fair result. First goal in about 18 months for Sam Volks in the league, so yeah, I, I, excellent to see him back. Um, ben Mee for me on the goal, actually. I know Kyle wasn't really where he should be, but Mee was with Antonucci and then ran off to cover the winger. 
And I think in that situation, the guy with the ball was probably the bigger threat and proved that he was when he stuck the ball in the top corner. A couple of people um, suggested that Tom Heaton maybe could have done better as well, but I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, Kevin, what were your thoughts on the game? The draw first game, you'd take that away from home, wouldn't you? Especially at a, a massive club like Leeds. <laughs> a massive club, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think before the match, um, most of us would probably have, have taken a point. Um, I, I don't think either team really did enough to win the game. I don't think either team really got into a into a proper stride. I think it was quite a scrappy match. Uh, that said, both goals were really excellent. Their goal was a really nice finish, uh, and ours was a was a, a, a beautiful cross from um, Duikwa and a, and a great header from from Sam. Like you say, it was really good to see him on the on the, on the score sheet um, after coming off the bench as well. And it was great to see um, Duikwa get that, that assist as well because I thought he had a really shaky first half. Um, someone, I think someone said that he played very, very well, which just isn't the case at all. His first half was very, very nervy. I thought he was um, quite poor in possession. He made a few um, weird, dodgy tackles. He tried to head the ball a few times in the box and just completely and utterly missed it, uh, which almost gifted leads a few chances. But in the second half, I thought he came out a lot more composed. Uh, it grew into the game a lot more. And you've got to say, this is, this is a huge step up from him. I think. Um, last season he was in League One. The year before that he was in League Two, and now he stepped up to the Championship. Um, as two big steps up in two years, um, so I think it did take him a little while to get to get stuck into it. And obviously he's only joined up with the squad um, in the last week or two as well. So it was a big, um, a big jump for him. But the second half was really composed, and it was a great cross. I think that was a really positive for that uh, for me for him to get that assist after what was probably a shaky start. Um, we talked on last week's podcast about the team that was going to play at Leeds, and it was actually the the eleven that we we collectively sort of came up with. I think James in particular nailed that eleven. Um, we talked a little bit about Derricka already, but do you think the team justified the selections overall, James? Was there anyone that you were a bit disappointed by? Who stood out for you? Um, well, I think I was watching a different game to a lot of people on Twitter because I saw Michael Carty get absolutely slated. Um, and while his end product probably wasn't what he'd hope, I felt he, you know, he had a, the the Leeds right back in his pocket, and um, you know there were several times he went past not just one but you know two men, and uh, he should have definitely done more with the the end product, but you know there there could be no accusation he wasn't wasn't beating his man. Um, besides that, I mean, I don't think we got to see enough of Voss, and I don't know if it was necessarily the role he was playing, but. Um, I felt like we didn't quite see as much as you maybe would have hoped for in his first game uh, and then Arfield probably didn't have his best game in a Burnley shirt but I mean apart from that I, I don't think it was really a bad performance from too many individuals but none of them were really outstanding at the same time I think I think Fosson probably um, I think he, he probably wasn't helped by the fact that we were we struggled to really make any any real um Really developed moves forward. I think a lot of our, our moves forward were were not particularly fluent, and I think he he he's, he looks like the type of player who wants to kind of get get the ball on the floor and and have that really nice passing movement up into him and have a bit of space. Where I don't think our attackers players really have that much space um, in the game, which I think you know I agree. I think he tended to go missing a few times, uh, but hopefully that was just the the opposition and, and the way we 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 played in that match. Um, I think 
the the striker one's an interesting one because Duke I thought had quite a good game, and I've, on the official Twitter the official website thing he was voted man of the match, um, and he had some really nice touches, some really good runs, um, but really didn't ha- offer any kind of goal threat. He had one shot which was a pretty easy save for the keeper, and then obviously Vox comes on and and, and grabs that excellent goal. Um, so that's an interesting. We're interested to see what Dice does from that because um, I think, obviously, I think we identified that maybe Vox wasn't stark, maybe wasn't fit enough. He maybe not played as much pre-season. Um, and after after Duke had a, a decent decent game, and then but then Vox came on and scored. It'd be interesting to see what so what happens with that in the next game. Oh, we'll come on to the next games a bit later in the podcast. A um, couple of points on Vossen actually. I'm with you, James. I'd like to see more of him, but I think it's worth noting that. Both penalty shouts that we mentioned, the one where Duke was um, arguably pulled back when he was trying to score and the handball, it was Vossen that played him in. So, and similarly, as, as Duke's performance could have been different if he got a goal from one of those two opportunities, I think we'd maybe be assessing Vossen a bit different if they'd have turned into goals. I think he did okay, but yeah, I think we'd like to see him on the ball a little bit more. Um, Jordan, the new lads that played then, Vossen and Dariqua, what was your assessment of their performance? Um, yeah, I think Derek will looked a little bit shaky in the first half, um, which I, I can kind of um, see. Really, I can understand why that's the case because obviously it was a, you know, big game away at uh, Leeds on the opening day, big atmosphere. And um, but I, I thought he grew into the game. Um, his delivery for Vox's goal was superb. Um, dare I say, Trippier-esque, um, really good, really good delivery. Um, I think it was helped by the fact that Vox said it was so good. You know, that helped the the cross look better. But it was a really good ball into the middle. Um, I think Vossen showed um, a lot of willingness, a lot of good running into the into the channels, into the corners. Um, I think he put the cross in, as we mentioned, for, for Duke's first penalty claim. Um, but yeah, I think it was a little bit subdued. He didn't quite get the clear-cut chances um, I'd have liked to have seen through the middle, and that's probably more down to um, Leeds' defending. I thought Bamber and Belushi sort of um, dealt with Djukovic. Well, Bamber in particular dealt with Djukovic, um, I thought, you know, illegally on a couple of occasions, you know, um, Sort of bullied him, bullied him out of possession. Um, I think he looked good, did Duke, but uh, I think Bambas sort of won that battle really personally. Um, but yeah, Vossen, I'd like to have seen a little bit more of in terms of getting shots off on goal. Um, and there was the chance, um, I think, that sort of he hit it with his left foot in the penalty area and it just seemed to go through a crowd of people and eventually ricocheted just wide. And um, but I'm sure that again will come. You know, uh, like I said, it's it, opening day uh, can be a difficult atmosphere, difficult place to go, but. Um, Generally, yeah, I think um, you know I've been impressed with them both since they've arrived, uh, and the good thing is they're only going to improve and get better in our style of um, playing our system. So, um, yeah, I was I was impressed. Yeah. Um, another one on, on Vossen actually. There was a moment I think when Kitely got down the left in the first half and put a shot come cross just across goal. I think Vossen was very close to turning that in. So, yeah, I think it was a, a game of maybe nearlies for. For Yeller on his first game, Derrickwo, we've we've talked about how he's going to be compared to Trippier. I think that's that's what's going to be difficult, isn't it? Trippier was so outstanding for the last two three years, but it's worth remembering that he was quite raw when he first arrived at Southmore. He wasn't the finished product, and we've we've developed him into someone that's got a move to the top six club in the Premier League. So 
Yeah, I don't think we can expect too much from Duriqua, but yeah, I agree with what's been said. I think positionally, a bit dodgy sometimes, beating in the air a bit too much. But that cross was fantastic and it's got a point in the end, so can't really complain too much. Um, James, you mentioned our field in midfield. This is something we've talked about at length time and time again. Um, I'm sure we're all disappointed that we went into the opening game with Arfield in midfield rather than a specialist, but the Arfield and Jones partnership, it's not something we can rely on long term, surely. Um, no, but um, at the same time, at times it, it didn't look an awful partnership in the Premier League. So you'd think for you know, 80% at least of the Championship games, it should be able to translate okay. But... I've heard that a few times and I just want to point out that we didn't win games with that partnership yeah but we didn't win many anyway that's true but people keep saying oh that looks okay in the Premier League a lot of the players looks okay but we weren't winning games and that's essentially what it's all about isn't it that's true but it is hard to to compare I mean you know the team that steamrolled the way to second the season before last I think if you put them straight in the Premier League we probably won't have won many games either um, I mean that's just the you know the gulf in, in class between the two leagues but um you know, we definitely do need something else in the middle. We, the, the problem is, um, I think it's more the style rather than, you know, necessarily Arfield's ability. Um, just he doesn't fit the role that Dean Marnie played, or I think even a role that is really what we need in the middle. He he, he still seems to want to find himself out wide, and um, I think it leaves David Jones a bit, bit too alone in the middle. Um, Obviously, I think we're all hoping that Frederick Overstad's going to be the answer, and um, hopefully his injury is not a long one, and we can see what he's got to offer for the side. Because you know he looks like he's got a little bit of pace; he can do box to box, and and hopefully that might be something that until Dean Marnie's back, that's going to see us good. Rave reviews for Overstad in pre-season. It was such a shame that he was injured. I think it was about two minutes into his cameo in the Bradford game. He come on, looked quite good, and then got injured making the tackle. So, yeah, I agree. I hope that's not too bad. My problem with Arfield in midfield is it's almost all off the ball. I think positionally, he's just not really sure where he's meant to be. He seems to get caught ahead of the ball too much, and I think that's something that he needs to improve if he's going to play in there long term. Um, Last year on the podcast, one of our biggest bugbears, well, I should say one of my biggest bugbears, I think I bullied everyone else into talking about it all the time, was substitutions. So I was amazed when we made a double change with about 20, 25 minutes to go. It was a, a wholesale change up front with Vox and Sordell coming on for, for Jukovic and Vossen. Um, Kevin, we were as amazed as I was when that happened. I was checking the time. What's going on? What's he doing? I've generally only just discovered I've been on the floor uh, for the last <laughs> for the last two or three days in shock. Um, but yeah, it, it worked as well, didn't it? Maybe uh, it maybe it persuaded Dyche to make, to make some subs a little bit earlier in future because he made that double sub and it, it worked. Uh, Sam came on and and got that decisive goal, um, which was which was great to see. And yeah, it was. Um, it was quite surprising as well because it, usually you know you make a double change if if things are going drastically against you you know you've having a really bad time but I don't think we were having a bad time I thought, I thought it was, the game was still um, quite even at that point um, Vossen had been quite quiet but not terrible um, and Duke had been pretty impressive if not a goal threat so it was quite surprising to see the, the entire strike force taken off um, 
But yeah, it worked. Uh, so let's hope we see it again if we, if, if we need to in future, Mr. Dice, if you're listening, which I'm sure he does after, as he, uh, as you mentioned, he, he got his team selection from a podcast. Sure he so. is a listener. I'm sure he is. Um, yeah, well, we talked a bit about Duke already, but I think you, you, you just struck exactly what it's all about. It's, it's just not a goal threat, is he? he never really liked scoring a goal. He did okay and held the ball quite well on occasions and had a bit of a bad battle with Bamba, but I just never felt like he was going to score a goal, whereas Volks... Volks doesn't look 100% yet, but we created a chance for him and he stuck it away. It's, it's, it's due call over, isn't it? Exactly what we said last season is that... Uh, he, he, he 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 can provide really good touches on the ball. He can make some nice, good runs. He can hold the ball up well. But he, he I don't think in his entire Burnley career he's ever looked anywhere close to scoring a goal in over a, a year. Apart from in pre-season, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's, it's just strange because it, it's very rare he has a terrible performance. He, he like I said, he's usually pretty good with the ball coming towards him and holding it up. But it's just. It's, it's, I've never seen a striker with such little goal threat. It's, it's quite, it's, it's mesmerising, really. <laughs> mesmerising. I'm not sure that was the right word to put it. Um, we talked at length about the captaincy, and we suspected that it was going to be very low key. And it turned out that Tom Heaton was the captain. Um, I think it was only announced when the team sheet came out, and he had the, the little C in brackets next to his name. Um, Jordan, we've not had you on the podcast for a little while. What are your thoughts on Heaton and the captaincy? Is it the right decision, or? Do you think that maybe Marnie's injury left not many contenders? Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a good choice. Um, I know the, the armband got passed around a few plays during pre-season. I remember, I think, Jones had it at one point, and he didn't strap me. He's really a vocal type. He doesn't really bark orders at players, so um, I don't think he was the right fit. And uh, Ben Mee, I think, was captain at Fleetwood. And, um, you know, I know he's been captain of, of City's youth team when they won the FA Youth Cup a few years ago before he, before he joined us. And, um Again, I just don't think he's got that presence. He's, he's vocal enough. Um, but Tom Eaton, I think, was a logical choice. I think Dash said it was quite a straightforward decision. Um, Eaton, um, obviously, you know, really enjoys being at the club. Um, and I think it was just a natural fit, really. I mean, if Marnie had been fit, then it would have been a more interesting one because I think Marnie does have that presence in midfield. Um, sort of what we touched on earlier with regards to, to um, Jones and Arfield. I think on... on paper Jones and Arfield in the middle should work because Arfield's quite box to box and Jones is quite conservative with the ball and quite safe with it but for some reason Jones and Marnie works better and I think sort of having Marnie in midfield roaming about I think he can not not as a better view but can sort of well perhaps yeah you know can see what's going on more whereas Heaton obviously is sort of in one position throughout the entire game maybe doesn't quite get the same viewpoint or can look at things the same way but I think in terms of marshalling defences organising things um, yeah, I think it was a, a good decision, and I think it, you know, it just sort of reinforces our, our trust in him and and his trust in us. Um, and I'm sure he'll do a very good job. I think Duff. Um, I think one of these modern trends in football, one of these modern phenomena, if you will, is a lot of club captains and team captains get announced sort of two separate people. And surprised Duff didn't get announced as some sort of uh, club captain, but I think. You know, I don't know how frequently he'll play this season. I don't know if we'll still in the market for another centre back or or what particularly. But um, yeah, I think Keaton was was a logical choice, really, and I'm, I'm pleased he's got the armband. I think that I think that difference between the club captain and the and the match day captain almost is something Dyche sort of addressed before the match when he was talking to Sky. I think he said something like. Um, 
we've got leaders throughout the pitch, you know, the likes of Marnie and Duff. Um, but Tom Heaton was a good a good fit for the for the club captain, so I think it's almost um, I think he almost addressed that himself in that maybe Heaton might do a lot of the stuff on the training ground or in the in the, in the dressing room. Um, whereas actually the likes of Marnie and, and Duff can be the ones who kind of a bit more vocal on the pitch and can have a go at the referee when we need to. Yeah, well, I think one of the things we mentioned about Heaton was was being able to talk to referees and stuff, and I'm sure the outfielders will still be able to do that. I think um, we talked as well on the podcast before about things like press duties, off the field stuff that Shackle didn't seem particularly keen on doing. We know that Dean Marnie doesn't talk to the press, so maybe that was a factor as well. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think Heaton's a good choice, and we've, we've talked about the captaincy to death on the podcast before. Um, we'd normally do a bit on transfers, but there's very little transfer news for the first team, at least the development squad, is absolutely ripping it up this summer. I think three signings for the development squad since the last podcast, the latest. All midfielders as well. All, all midfielders, midfielders yeah. completely being trolled by Burnley Football Club at the minute with signing midfielders. Um, Josh Ginelli, I think, is the, the latest one, a winger from Shrewsbury, but we assume we'll not see that much of those players this season. There was one murmur came out um, on Saturday, our NNN Live reporter Jordan Neary um, suggested that Leicester City's Danny Drinkwater might be a target but Drinkwater actually started for Leicester at the weekend in their win over Sunderland so perhaps that's not a goer either um, obviously if anything does happen on transfers we will cover that on the podcast in the coming weeks um, something that did happen at the weekend and I don't know if you all want to be reminded of this but there was a new Football no. League highlight show um, unfortunately the Football League show on BBC is no more Channel Four, Channel 5 sorry, but the highlights instead um, and it, it was certainly a change from Manish and Steve Claridge and Clem Perhaps not for the for the better, um, Kevin. Start with you. What were your thoughts on the first effort? It was their first effort. We've got to remember it was never going to be perfect for the first show. Who'd have thought it? If you'd go on Twitter and see people longing for for um, for Claridge to come back, <laughs> it was amazing. But it, it, yeah, it, it was it was painful. It was um, really obviously bright colours. You got these weird spinning um, league tables. You got fans. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just I'm just thinking of the fans the fans stood there looking so gormless and it's confused. so awkward as well. Like, was just, Sky tried to do it last season, didn't it, with the Saturday night football having yeah. fans in the studio and it just looks ridiculous. But Channel Five had them standing around just as if they'd wandered in and didn't realise there's a TV show going on. We'd go up to the fans and start to have a bit of banter with them, saying how terrible his shirt was and. It was just, it, we were just stood there looking, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm just picturing it, I just can't stop laughing, I'm sorry. There's <laughs> quite a few things to pick out for me. I was streaming it, but the, the picture quality seemed bad. I mean, obviously, we used to HD highlights on BBC, but it seemed pretty ropey. Um, the male presenter, George Rowley, I thought he was absolutely dreadful. Cheeky, forced banter, I'm not having that. Um, the order of the highlights I don't mind so much if they're going to mix it up championship highlights don't necessarily have to be first but they were switching from league to league seemingly completely at random which was bizarre and as Kevin's already mentioned the spinning league tables what's that all about you shouldn't be showing the league tables this early in the season anyway they're meaningless but to have them on spinning poles absolutely baffled Um, James what were your thoughts I missed it again I was in in a hotel in Wrexham and I got back and I checked Twitter and I was like, 
thought that new football show must be on. Put it on, and I just I was a bit confused about what I was watching. It <laughs> didn't feel like a, a football highlight show, and I could almost forgive the the mixed up highlights thing, which I hate. That's ridiculous because I want to be able to watch probably my league and then turn off. I don't want to watch the whole show. I think I figured out why they do it that way. It's to get the championship fans to watch it to the end, isn't it, surely? Plus, you've got to remember they've got advertisers to think about, which don't have on the BBC. It's all about the advertisers. Um, but for me, the worst part was how some games got commentary and some games got the people in the studio sort of randomly chatting over the top. Yeah, Martin Allen in particular, I thought, he's normally quite good value on these magazine types. I think I've seen him on goals on Sunday and he's been quite good, but he just seemed really uncomfortable. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing and talking over some of the highlights and stuff like that. It was just weird, because then you'd have like two series of highlights where there's a proper commentator on it and it's like, this is what a highlight show should be. Action, guy commentating on it, that's fine. And then the next one's like two guys in a pub having a chat and in the background you're watching a football game. And it's just, oh, it's weird. And then the audience, like the camera's focused on that TV and there's someone stood next to it and you could see they don't know what to do with themselves. They feel awkward, it looks awkward and then you feel awkward just watching it. <laughs> and it's just... It was all very awkward. Oh. <laughs> if you were going to describe it in one word, I think awkward would be the yeah, word. And the way they were talking about the league tables as well, it's like, we need to wait for that one to be ready. It's a board, just put the names on it. <laughs> Use a graphic, don't bother with a spinny thing, it's just... Yeah, it was it was pretty rubbish. It's a work for itself, isn't it? I think, um, I think Darren, ben- Darren Bentley, a uh, BSC media guy, said on Twitter that they'd been to some briefing with Channel 5, and Channel 5 were apparently desperate to... To avoid people just skipping through to their goals and then and then turning off or fast forwarding to their goals and, and turning off, and so we're trying to make a bit of a format around it so people would be entertained and watch is almost like a, a soccer AM style entertainment show. But I just don't think yeah, it's the sort of thing maybe it might work a little bit more on, maybe on a Sunday morning. But I think on on a Saturday evening you you want to you only know what you're getting. You want to sit down and watch the goals. Um, and, and that's it really you, you don't want to see some all, all the banter in the studio that leave that to kind of a, the Soccer AM kind of gang for me Soccer AM was last entertaining in about 1999 though so my, sure my theory on Soccer AM is that it's a bit like it's like Red Hot Chili Peppers you like it until you're about 14 and then you realise that it's bad and you grow out of it but there's always new people who like going through puberty you think Tim Lovejoy is the most funny person ever and up Love Joe doesn't do it anymore. But. Well, he went downhill after Love Joe went, didn't it? And now he just stands there and talks about food in the morning. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I thought, what, one bright spot, I thought Kelly Cates was quite good um, with a terrible format and co-presenter. I think she did as well, as well as could be expected. Um, but yeah, it's. Tr- I think it's tricky. They're obviously trying to do something different. I remember when the Football League show started, there was a lot of criticism of things like the set because it looked like a cave. Steve Claridge with these monotone murmurings, Clem's terrible jaunts all over the country. I hate Clem with a passion, so any way I can get rid of Clem, I'm quite happy. Um, but Jordan, they were trying to do so many things, it was almost like there was like 10 different TV shows going on. It was just bizarre. 
Yeah, I'd welcome Clem back with open arms after. Well, Come back, Clem. Come back. Please, yeah. Um, I think we should start a petition or a hashtag or something <laughs> drink because it was just awful. I mean, there, there was one point Martin Allen came on, uh, and um, he was sort of looking back on the highlights from uh, his side, Barnets, uh, their game with Leighton Orient, and George Riley said to him, um, Martin, talk us through this, and Martin Allen actually said, "What do you want me to say?" and sort of did a nervous laugh after it, and I thought. That just sums it up. What do you want him to say? You know, it was it was just bizarre and these sort of football league table rotisseries in the corner were just really pointless. Um Adam Virgo didn't really add anything to be honest, just stated the obvious and I didn't particularly like him, but I don't think he in particular will be a regular fixture. I think they said they were gonna No, they're gonna rotate sort of that up. role. So week, it'll be some other form of football were looking awkward. Yeah. Um a lot of the fans, as we've touched on, looked very awkward. Didn't really know what to do with themselves or where to look. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just dreadful. Really, I did not enjoy it. So, rant over. I think it felt a bit like a pilot, didn't it? Like you said, nobody really knew what what was supposed to be happening. It just felt like this was almost like the rehearsal of the, of the pilot, and it wasn't really supposed to be on air. But um, maybe I forgot to do the, the rehearsal and just 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 got just went yeah. through it. I don't know. I think it's it's almost admirable that they've tried to do something so different, but it feels like in the pitching meeting when they were putting the show together, they just said yes to everything. Like whatever idea someone came up with, like Jordan was saying about the rotisserie chicken league tables, someone said, "Wouldn't it be good if we had the league tables on spinning wooden boards?" And someone went, "Yes, brilliant." put that on the whiteboard and everything just got thrown in there it just seemed really odd i think the, the problem that you've got doing a modern highlight show now is the timing i quite like that it's on before match of the day but a lot of people if they're traveling to away games aren't going to be home yet or they might be having a couple of pints so they're not necessarily going to get in and watch it live they might record it and then skip through it so that's the problem I think um, Sky Sports News has a lot of the Football League goals on at 6 o'clock in Goals Express. So if you just want to see the goals, you're just going to watch that. The goals are online almost instantaneously. In some cases with vines and stuff, if games are being filmed. So I think it's challenging. Um, I think it's fair that we come back and talk about Football League tonight in a few weeks when they've had time to settle in. But yeah, unanimous from, from our panel. It was pretty awful. And from everything I've read on Twitter, it was... Um, most people seem to think the same. There's a lot of work to do on that show. Uh, moving back to Burnley then, a couple of games before we are back. First of which is Tuesday night at Port Vale. Um, hopefully people are going to listen to this before the Port Vale game, otherwise this is all going to be a bit redundant. But Capital One Cup game, probably not our priority this season. Um, talked on Twitter a bit today about team rotation. A lot of people seem to want to see players rested, given the day off. I think that's fair to say. James, we'll start with you. Sean Dash, not really one for mixing the team up, but... Surely, with with so few players in key areas like midfield, he's going to have to make a couple of changes, isn't he? Um, you'd think so, but as you said, he's not really one for doing that. So, don't know if he will. I'd like to see players rested. I mean, what my starting eleven will be for tomorrow, and what Darch's starting eleven will be for tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you sort of listen to this when this goes out, probably be tonight. Um, yeah, it will be completely different. Um, you know, I'd rest a lot of players, but you know, as we've touched on, midfield options are thin on the ground. Um, likewise, in central defence, with with long absent, um, so we could turn to um, a couple of youth players, which would be good to see. And and yeah, I mean, up front we've, we've got a you know a sort of wealth of options. Really, it'd be good to see um, certainly you know mixing 
mixing things up up front and maybe even a different formation. I mean, we've signed enough players for the development squad um, in the last couple of weeks, so maybe this is an opportunity to, to have a look at them. Some of those have come from from League One, League Two clubs, so it shouldn't be too much of a step for them. Um, Kevin, do you think we'll see it as a as a fitness exercise, like Sam Volks, who maybe needs some more minutes in the legs? Um, yeah, I, th- I think probably pretty much the same teams that played at Leeds. Maybe Volks will get a start. Jordan, though, if I mean we've already had Dice making some early subs. If he changes formation as well, I mean, I'll probably send him for a DNA test because it, <laughs> it, it, it won't be Dice. He can't he can't make early subs and change the formation. That's, that just won't happen. Um, but yeah, like I said, Dice doesn't usually make that many changes. Um, I think Volks in probably will be the only change to the team. Um, maybe Taylor come in perhaps, but maybe not. I don't know. He, he likes to keep the same team, Dice, particularly early in the season. If he wants, if he's trying to get a bit of um, bit of a rhythm with the team, get them used to playing with each other again, he'd probably like to stick with that with that same eleven because that's something he likes to do. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a, a surprise if it's wholesale changes. I'd like to see a few. I think it'd be. Odd, I think, if Duff played, given we've got another game at the weekend and he's 37 now. We've got a bit of covering there, so it makes sense to give Duff a rest, I think. Taylor should play for me. I think he's going to be an important player if he gets enough games. Um, but, yeah, probably not that many changes. We know what Dash is like. Um, looking ahead to the weekend, another game on Sky Sports. Another early kickoff this time at Turf Moor. Birmingham City, the visitors, they start the season with a handy home win, 2-1 against Reading. Um, they've got some dangerous players but I think this is probably the sort of game we would expect to win if we're going to be up there come the end of the season, is that fair James? Obviously it's early days but Birmingham have been a bit hit and miss for the last couple of years, they improved under Gary Rowett in the second half of last season Yeah um, I'd say to be honest any home game, if we were uh, serious about uh, going up as a game we've got to win You know, I, I think that's definitely got to be the benchmark that whenever we play at home we want to win um, but Birmingham, yeah, I remember the promotion season, the a game there, they were an awful side. It's still a criminal that they, they got a draw out of that. But they've been that way for quite a while that they've just not been very good. And I, they're one of those teams that there's nothing to really dislike about them. So I almost feel sorry for their fans that they have to put up with such a dire team every single season. Um but yeah, we definitely need to, you know, open our our win column on Saturday, um, and you know, with a chance on TV as well. It means other teams' managers are going to see it and see what we've, uh, you know, what we've laid down. So it would be a good win as well, and potentially put us up towards the top of the table since we'll be playing before everyone else. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Um, they've got some good players, I think, Birmingham. I think we don't want to underestimate them. Thomas Kuchak, I think, is a very good goalkeeper at Championship level. Um, David Cottrell scored for them at the weekend. He's a handy player. And the young lad, Gray, who they've turned down bids of £5 million from Bournemouth. Um, he's obviously a, a young star, so they've got threats. It's not necessarily going to be an easy game, but I think James is right when he says these are the games we've got to try and to get points on the board. Um, Jordan, what are you expecting from the weekend's match? Yeah, like I say, I think it'll be a tough game and... Um... We'd be sort of naive to underestimate them. They do have some good players, as you say. Um, but I think it's a really good chance to send out a message to the rest of the division. You know, we've, we've just been relegated. We need to um, sort of assert our authority, if you will, within the division and, and show that, um, you know, despite the disappointment of coming back down, as sort of um, expected as it might have been, that we're not going to be um, 
sort of slouches, if you will, and we're not going to be getting off to sluggish start. I mean, we didn't in the promotion season, and um, you know it was a good point away at Leeds. We just need to build on that now and, and sort of gathering some momentum because I mean, you know, you look at the the last few teams that have won the division; they've all started off well and and um, you know made made encouraging starts. So uh, yeah, we need to, to sort of follow that trend. I'm not saying we will win the league, um, but uh, um, obviously we want to finish as high as we can do, and that means um, you know trying to win our own games like James said you know um, our home form uh, you know to any team is critical uh, you know home form and, and getting wins under the belt in front of your own fans but um, yeah we, we should be looking to win every own game that we play in this season with the players we have and the way we play at home as well getting in the faces on the front foot so um, I think it will be tough but um, certainly one we can win and one that probably would expect us to win as well It's it's always good to start with a, a home win isn't it Kevin in front of your own fans lay down that marker let everyone see what we're all about um, it is, yeah. Uh, and like I said, I think we're doing happy with that draw uh, leads because I think if you can get some, um, get a point on the board and then win your home games, um, then that's 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 a good way to go. Um, I think it's, it's it's a good thing for fans as well, particularly if we've had a bit of a um, almost frustrating summer in some ways. We've had made some some decent signs, but it's certainly been frustrating in some ways. Um, it maybe settle a few nerves to get a a good, nice win in front of the fans as well. Um, and, yeah, I, I like winning games. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I, I think we should probably leave the podcast there. Kevin likes winning games. Um, a couple of thanks to ever. Thanks to our sponsors at Neville G. We couldn't do the podcast without them. Um, thanks to everyone who joined in on Twitter with some chat around the game. We'll try and have updates from, from both games on Twitter if we can. Um, hashtag NNN Live will be worth to follow for that. Um, and yeah that's about it so Jordan, Kevin, James thanks for joining us, we'll end with predictions as usual, James we'll start with you, Port Vale and Birmingham at home um, two wins I don't, you'd hope so <laughs> definitely hope so I'm going to go with two wins and 3-0 um, tomorrow night and 2-1 on Saturday I think Port Vale might be tricky actually. I think we might need it might be an do you have extra time in the capital one I've got no idea these days. I think it might uh, yeah, you do. Yeah. It might be might be a, a long evening, I think. It's gonna be a, a tricky one. Um Kevin, your predictions? Um two two one nil wins for me. Exciting. Um, yeah, very exciting. <laughs> Goal fests. <laughs> and Jordan final you. Uh, I think 2-0 tomorrow and 2-1 uh, on the weekend Grand, well that's all for this week I think um, there's a, a little questionnaire that Adam wants everyone to fill in just to give us some feedback on how we're doing and what we could be doing better, so if you can take a couple of minutes to fill that in, I think there'll be a link to that in the show notes of the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes as well and all that fun stuff, but that's all for this week thanks to our guests, thanks to everyone who joined in on Twitter and we'll be back next week, cheers Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.